Welcome to Balanced Living. My name is Vicki Griffin, and I'm the Director of Lifestyle Matters. And today I have a special guest with me, my colleague, Evelyn Kissinger, a dietitian and our nutrition director and friend for many years. And today we are talking about an extremely important topic, and it's not a Valentine's Day topic, although the title would make it seem so. Our topic today is hearts on fire, Evelyn. Taming the fires of heart disease and metabolic syndrome. And as we begin today, I would just like to share a thought because so many of our friends out there in the listening audience are suffering from some form of coronary artery disease. So I want to begin with an encouragement from the Word of God. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus stood in the sanctuary and he spoke and he said, The Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are downtrodden and oppressed. I'm so very thankful for that promise today, Evelyn, and the knowledge that God has engineered us for renewal, recovery, and restoration, blind body and spirit. And that's the good news, that heart disease, as we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about physical heart disease, but God is also there to heal the brokenhearted as well. That's right. And addictions. I will tell you, I know from experience that the addicted brain is fighting hard, but we need to learn to fight smart. And we can become addicted to habits that hurt physical heart health, as well as emotional habits that can hurt our heart, even our walk with God. So today, as we explore this topic, I want you to be encouraged that forward progress is possible. Yes, It's an important session. It's an important topic because who of us doesn't know someone who isn't suffering the challenge of heart health problems? And you may be experiencing challenges yourself. And so if you are You have come to the right place, and you are not alone. What are some of the statistics, Evelyn? Yes, it's the leading cause of death in both men and women. A lot of women fear, like breast cancer or other things, a lot. But, you know, it's really the heart disease that is affecting the death of most women as well. 84 million people suffer. That's about one in four people who are experiencing issues with heart disease. Mm, More than a half a million, three quarters of a million deaths every year due to this. And so absolutely, it's a topic that demands our attention. We are seeing children developing coronary artery disease at a very early age. And heart disease begins in the arteries with a process known as inflammation. Inflammation underlies heart disease. But what is it and how does it work? Well, inflammation literally means on fire. And it can be acute or it can be chronic. So it can be short-term or it can be long-term. So acute inflammation, I suppose we would define that as the immune system's natural response to injury, infection, or invasion. So it can be... And that's a good thing. Yeah. It can be local and specific, such as a bee sting. 
or a cut, or it can be general, such as a, a fever. So those are very important protective factors that God has built into our natural immune functions. So inflammation isn't always a bad thing. It's an important thing. Yeah. Acute inflammation helps the body get rid of whatever shouldn't be there. Mm. What about chronic inflammation? Chronic inflammation is what we want to worry about because that occurs when the immune system perpetually produces an inflammatory response to unnatural conditions in the body. So when we have this continual inflammation in the body, it starts to build up and it's actually the root of many lifestyle diseases, including Mm. heart disease. So I have a friend, actually we have a mutual friend that was a gunner pilot in Vietnam, and he has shrapnel, pieces of metal shrapnel throughout his body that are not going away. And as a result, he has a really excellent lifestyle, but he has to deal with chronic inflammation and some of the side effects of that condition. But even in that case, lifestyle has made a tremendous difference in the amount and intensity of the medications that he has to take. And so there's never a place to say, well, lifestyle isn't going to add value to my life. It doesn't make a difference. It does make a difference. And chronic inflammation manifests itself differently. And it can include things that we don't normally think of. Yeah, things like toxins or foreign substances. Or immune factors, damaged tissues. What about diet? What about lifestyle practices? Is it possible that being sedentary or a chips, chops, and lollipops, a junk food diet, can actually increase what we call chronic inflammation? And that is probably the root behind most inflammation is lifestyle choices. And that would certainly include the things we eat and how we move. So one of the visual pictures that I think of when I'm thinking about chronic systemic inflammation, and by the way, That begins often in the gut with dietary choices that increase leaky gut, and then these inflammatory factors become systemic. And so how important it is that our daily choices are anti-inflammatory. I've likened it to a slow-burning flame on a candle. Have you ever overburned a candle and it just melts all over itself through the tabletop onto the floor? So chronic inflammation could be compared to that as a process where the body is actually damaging itself. Yes, it may start out as a good thing as an acute, but when it happens day after day after day, and the body has to deal with a high sugar, high fat, dysregulating meals, not enough sleep, mm. not exercise, then this buildup of inflammation becomes a root of many lifestyle diseases, and including we, atherosclerosis. Even we think of things that we wouldn't normally associate with inflammation such as chronic stress, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, hostility, dramatic two-fold increase in heart attack. That's right. When we carry those traits habitually, when we don't process and resolve these conflicted experiences in life. So, so even the way we think. Yes. And how we process those thoughts. Yes. All stages of atherosclerotic progression might be considered to be an inflammatory response to injury. So when we think of atherosclerosis, that is what is occurring within the vessel. Arteriosclerosis is the condition of the vessel itself. And there's a quote from the journal Circulation which describes this. Every step in atherogenesis is believed to involve cytokines, 
and other bioactive molecules and cells that are characteristic of inflammation. So chronic systemic inflammation is also linked to other diseases, including certain cancers and autoimmune disorders. So there's this bi-directional conversation going on with multiple systems, the immune, the endocrine, the stress system, and there is this crosstalk going on. And so the more we add healthy habits to every one of those systems that nurture and lower the inflammatory response in every one of those systems, then it's like accumulating change as you walk. You accumulate coins and pretty soon you've got a pretty good bank account. Right. Looking at some of the clinical markers, there are things that we can look at and often is checked when you get a personal evaluation at your physician's office, a physical checkup. What are some of those facts? So one of the first things that physicians or clinicians look at is high blood pressure. What is your blood pressure? High blood pressure is a marker of chronic inflammation, or it can be insulin resistance. Insulin resistance, insulin is the carrier for glucose. Glucose is the fuel for the cells, and insulin unlocks the door to get that fuel into the cells. So insulin resistance means the insulin is not able to find the door the cells are resistant to the action of insulin. And interestingly enough, Evelyn, one of the first symptoms of this is fatigue because there's no energy in the cell or Just less Just feeling energy. tired all Just day long. tired, tired, tired. And the insulin resistant isn't necessarily being diabetic. You may not have the blood sugar levels of a diabetic, but there can still be insulin resistance where the insulin is not getting into the cell to do the job. Right. So another one would be high fasting blood sugar. High LDL cholesterol combined with low HDL cholesterol. And a factor that is predictive of inflammation is called CRP, which is C-reactive protein. And that is a blood test that you can get and find out inflammatory markers in your body. Hmm. There are other factors linked with systemic inflammation, Evelyn. What would some of those be? Family history, you know, all of us, I mean, I think everybody would have someone that they're related to that has heart disease. So that is a factor, but it's not the predominant factor. Smoking, of course, raises risk of heart disease. And carrying fat around your middle, abdominal fat, adiposity. And overall obesity. And it's very interesting when we look at abdominal adiposity, there's a genetic element there, but I think it's so interesting that chronic stress with low intake of antioxidants combine to create a scenario to increase abdominal adiposity. So chronic stress and combined with insulin resistance where the glucose just is not getting into the cells causes a chain reaction that is actually a backup protective system where the liver then is going to release free fatty acids combined with those sugar carbons and produce triglycerides and lay it right around the middle. So one of the best ways to begin to address abdominal adiposity, interestingly enough, is exercise. Abdominal fat is very volatile. It's very unstable. And exercise tends to break it down. So that combined with a high level of antioxidants, those beautiful green, yellow, colorful fruits Wherever and Wherever you see color, you see <laughs> antioxidants. Yeah, n- yeah, not jelly beans. No, not jelly beans. <laughs> or M&Ms. <laughs> no. <laughs> Some people do have a strong family history of heart disease due to genetics, and others have a strong family history due to shared lifestyle practices. But either way, 
lifestyle is going to make a positive difference in those lives. So this is why Dr. Wes Youngberg, author of Goodbye Diabetes, states, quote, In my opinion, the first and most important step in improving health is to undergo comprehensive testing. You may detect hidden problems possibly years or even decades before you would find them otherwise. Because of financial limitations or other reasons, people sometimes choose not to test. But although you even may not be able to measure your progress clinically, you will still be getting healthier when you make positive choices. And that really is the ultimate goal. The way you treat your body today is going to make a difference in your lifestyle and the quality of your lifestyle 20 years from now. Evelyn, we're going to take a break, but when we get back, we're really going to do a deep dive into this topic. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be right back. 